So as Elena said, we're looking at life together for the month of January. And we are going to be preaching through Romans 8 here at Loft. Romans 8. Page 918 in the Pew Bibles. Page 918 in the Pew Bibles, Romans 8. We'll be looking at it in three sections as we go along. And today we'll be doing that first section to verse 17. Hear the word of the Lord. There is, therefore, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. For God has done what the law, weakened by flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and to deal with sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, so that the just requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. To set the, fear, the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For this reason, the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh. You are in the spirit, since the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also through his spirit that dwells in you. So then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh, for if you live according to the flesh you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, it's that very Spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and of children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If, in fact, we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. This is the word of the Lord. So over Christmas break, I had one of those days, like many of us have over the holidays, where you spend a long day in the company of people that you don't know very well. Some of these people happen to be related to you or related to the people that you're with. And it was one of those days where it had been lots of people and lots of noise, and I wasn't feeling particularly well. And so by late afternoon, I kind of slipped away from the group and found a quiet bedroom just to lie down for a little while. And as I closed my eyes, I said, all right, God, this is like vulnerable time for me. Because when I get tired, I lose every filter. And so I said, God, please help me say kind things tonight. And as we gathered together around the dinner table, uh, the person that I was closest with out of this whole group sat, and, and he opened with prayer. And it was a lovely prayer. And as soon as he said amen, one of his relatives critiqued his prayer. 
Yeah. And I, in that moment, critiqued her. And as soon as the words were out of my mouth, I was like, no, 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 no. I was going to say kind things. I was going to say kind things. I was going to say kind things. And I was like so ashamed because that happened so fast and it was so easy. I was like, oh. You know what this is like, right? You wake up in the morning and you're like, okay, today I'm going to be nice to the kid who sits next to me in the interim class. I'm going to be nice. He talks too much. He should shower more. But I'm going to be nice to him today. I'm going to do it. I'm going to be Christ to him. And you find that by 9.30 in the morning, you've rolled your eyes like five times. You know, you've like slowly tried to move your desk over a little bit further away. And when he asked intentionally to be in your little small group for the morning's activities, you pretended you didn't hear him. It was like shockingly easy. And you were ashamed. You find yourself driving somewhere and you're kind of lost in your thoughts and, you know, doing your own thing. And all of a sudden, a car cuts you off. And the words that spew out of your mouth could peel paint off the walls. <laughs> and you're just stunned by how amazingly easy that was. You lay out your Bible and your journal with a full plan that after you brush your teeth, but before you climb into the loft to go to bed, you're going to spend some time prayerfully reflecting on your day. And you come out of the bathroom, and your roommate makes some comment about the Broncos are going to go all the way, and you can't let that stand because you're a Packers fan, and suddenly it's like, blah, 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 T-Bow Rogers, blah, blah, blah. And you find that you're both, like, climbing into bed, and you're still arguing, and you get ready to kind of turn the light out, and there you look down, and you see on your desk the Bible and the journal untouched. You think, oh, it was so easy to just blow it off. In the chapter that immediately precedes the section that we read, that's, that's what Paul's talking about. He says, all the good stuff that I want to do, I don't do. And the bad stuff that I don't want to do, I do that incredibly easily. I'm a wreck. I need help. What is wrong with me? And then he says, phew, I'm so glad I have Jesus. And so he begins chapter 8 by saying, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And he tells us why. Verse 3, for God has done what the law couldn't do. He sent his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to deal with sin. You see that phrase there in verse 3? And then there's a little footnote down there that says, and as a sin offering, because the idiom Paul uses there to, to deal with sin, which I really like a lot, like deal with sin, the idiom that he's using there is a reference back to the sin offering. Now, I know in your reading of Leviticus, because that's a pretty common devotional book, <laughs> in your reading of Leviticus, you've learned that there are lots of different types of offerings. And a sin offering is actually the offering that you make when you sin unintentionally. You get up in the morning, you grab your bucket, you go off to the well, and you realize, ah, it's Sabbath day. They're going to have a party that night. You decide to, to have a goat for the feast. You go out to the, to the fields. You get a goat. You bring it in. You start to prepare the goat. You realize, this is not my goat. <laughs> you 
unintentional sins, right? They just kind of pop up, like, all of a sudden, like, whoa, I didn't mean to, oh, ah. God knew sin was going to be so pervasive, so viral, that we were going to sin without even trying. And so he set up a system whereby we could be made right with him and right with each other, and that was through the sin offering. If you had enough money, the sin offering was a lamb. If you didn't have that much money, two little birds. If you had even less money, a little bit of flour. Because he knew everybody needed to be able to make this offering because everybody was going to sin all the time. And so when Paul says here at the beginning of Romans 8, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, he's saying that because he knows that Jesus Christ was the ultimate sin offering. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the whole world, both unintentional and intentional, sins of omission and commission. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's all done. But Paul knows that if, if it were just this, like, we'd be like, oh, great. There's no condemnation for those who are Excellent. Hi, my name is Mary, and when I get really tired, I say unkind things, and that's just the way I am. But there's no condemnation because I'm in Christ Jesus. Hi, um, my name is Mark, and when I'm in traffic and somebody cuts me off, I swear a lot. In fact, I swear a lot pretty regularly, and that's something I, you know, I, I, it's just the way I am. But there's no condemnation for me because I'm in Christ Jesus. Hi, my name is Brittany, and I'm really unkind to people that aren't like me and who make me uncomfortable, but that's just how I am. But there's no condemnation for that because I'm in Christ Jesus. Hi, my name is Christian, and I totally blow off my devotionals all the time because there are other more exciting things to do, but it's okay because there's no condemnation because I'm in Christ Jesus. So Paul, in Romans 8, says, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, but then, like an infomercial, he says, but wait, there's more! <laughs> it's not just that. He says, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The sin offering has been made, and you get the Holy Spirit. And the work of the Holy Spirit comes into your life and says, oh, no, no, it's not, that's just how I am. It's, that's just how you were. That's not how you are, and that's not how you're going to be. You remember one of the Sundays late last fall, we had you write questions to God on index cards. And we're using those questions to frame up the sermon series for next spring. One of you wrote on the card, how can you, God, how can you do anything with a messed up sinner like me? And we get that, don't we? We get what it's like to work and work and work on a sin and find that we just can't get anywhere with it. But the beautiful thing is that when we focus on how can God use up a messed up sinner like me, we can either focus on our own weakness and illability or we can flip it 
and focus on God and God's strength. And that's what Paul wants us to do here in Romans 8. He says, you can focus on the life of the flesh, but that's not going to get you anywhere. Instead, I want you to set your mind on the things of the Spirit. I want you to bring your stuff to the Spirit. Because when we bring our sin to the Spirit, when we say things like, I really struggle with being kind to people when I'm fatigued and tired, and we bring that through the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit doesn't look at that and say, I'm not going to touch that. I'm not going to deal with that at all. That's not You're just mean. When we go to the Holy Spirit and we say, I really struggle with lust, and when I'm alone at night and I'm tired and no one else is around and I'm lonely, I go to pornography. The Holy Spirit doesn't hear that and say, well, that's disgusting. I don't want anything to do with you. When we take our ugliest sins when we take our greed and our lust and our pride, when we take our attachment to our GPA, when we take whatever it is and we bring it to the Holy Spirit and say, here is my hot mess. The Holy Spirit doesn't turn away in disgust. The Holy Spirit puts his hands under our hands and looks at the mess and says, well, let's see what we can do about it. I lie to my parents about what I do on the weekends. Well, let's see what we can do about that. I chose this major because I knew when I graduated I could make a lot of money and that's the only reason I'm doing it. Well, let's see what we can do about that. When I'm with my friends, I drink too much and I do it because I want to keep up and I don't want to be seen as uncool, but I'm worried about a DUI and I'm kind of stuck in this behavior and it's not good. Well, let's see what we can do about that. My fiance and I are sleeping together because it just got too hard to wait and I know we should wait, but I, I really, I don't want to give it up and I feel all this shame and I don't know what to do about it. Let's see what we can do about that. The role of the enemy, the role of sin in your life is to keep you enslaved. The work of the enemy in your life is to say that your hot mess, your sin, that big ugly thing that you don't want anybody to find out about, you better keep that and hide it. You better never tell anybody about that. And the work of the enemy there is to keep you enslaved to that sin, to keep you beholden to that sin like a ball and chain around your ankle. And the work of the Holy Spirit is to say, no, 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 no. You come. You bring that right here. Because I am not disgusted by your sin. I will not turn away from your sin. In fact, I've been dealing with sinners like you for quite a long time. I'm pretty good at it. So let's go. What do you got? Bring it to me. Let's start setting our minds together on the things of the Spirit and not on the things of the flesh because the Spirit gives life and sin leads you to death. We've been talking about life together. What does it mean to live 
together. Last week, we talked about living together and as spiritual beings and connecting, and the next couple of days in chapel, we'll be looking at what it means to be incarnate beings and sexual beings, and what does it mean to be people who live on a planet that needs to be cared for? What does it mean to embody things? And so you may have been at chapel last Wednesday when we had, or Thursday when we had testimonies from people who live in Project Neighborhood. And maybe you were here when a young woman stood up and she said, Project Neighborhood saved my life. And she talked about how in her first three years of college, she was lonely and she struggled and she didn't know if she was going to stay. And so she decided to take a huge risk and to move into an intentional living community with other Christian people. And she talked about what it was like the first 24 hours when they all had to share their struggle and their pain and be transparent and vulnerable, and she had never done that before, and it was incredibly scary to her. But she learned that by naming her sin and offering up through the power of the Holy Spirit to other Christian people, they didn't turn away either. They said, let's see what we can do about that. And she was able to say to other people, let's see what we can do about that. And they were able to love and learn and work together and move toward living in life in the Spirit. So much so that she was able to stand up here and say that Project Neighborhood saved her life. And I'll amend that just a bit. Because the truth is that God, through the power of his Holy Spirit working in the lives of her mentors and working in the lives of the other people in that house, God, through the power of his Holy Spirit and the resurrecting power of Jesus Christ, moved in and saved her life. But the only way that happened, the only way that happened is because she was willing to take a risk and be vulnerable and put it out there and say, here's my garbage. Will you still love me? And a Christian community that is living its life under the lordship of Jesus Christ will say yes every time. Every time. It is so tempting when you are in college to live an isolated life. Some of you came here not knowing anybody. And in order to get to know people and have other people know you, you actually have to be vulnerable and transparent. And some of us have gotten really good at being isolated and putting up boundaries and putting up walls and keeping everybody at a healthy distance. And Paul says, no, 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 no. No, no, that's sin. That's focused on the flesh and your own ego and your own pride. That's focused on your own reputation and what would actually happen to me if I were vulnerable. Paul says that's, that's not the life of the Spirit. Life in the Spirit says I'm going to set my mind on the things of the Spirit and I refuse to be enslaved by sin any longer. I want to be free. I want to be free. I want to be free of this memory that binds me. I want to be free of this addiction. I want to be free of this thing. And in the power of Jesus Christ, you can be free. 
And in the work of the Holy Spirit, you can get more and more and more free as you heal and move on and God works in you to help other people. This is what life together in the Spirit is about. It's about truth-telling. It's about saying those things were trying hard to kill me and God wouldn't let them. It's about standing up and saying, my roommates saved my life. The orchestra saved my life. That interim class saved my life. And knowing when you say those things, what you are saying is that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, saved my life. The work of the Holy Spirit saved my life. God loves me so much. He saved my life. You're willing to take the risk. You're willing to trust somebody. Are you ready to be free? It's worth it. It's worth it. Because that is life. Will you pray with me?